When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Master Your Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Henderson, the spot, the hub to get your mind right. You can't just train the body or the craft. You got to train your mind. And we're here with one of my good friends, uh, one of my colleagues, you know, going into the space being an entrepreneur. We've been learning a lot from each other, but we're talking to Jed Collins. He's an NFL veteran, certified financial planner. He's a professor, people. He's helping teach students how to get their mind right with the money game author uh speaker how about that one and a viral tiktok <laughs> um making you know three million views in one video recently the top viewed in in, in the financial uh, uh category husband and a father and a coog jed collins what's up bro brother always good man we like you said we have just continued to go back and forth, build each other up, support, and really just help each other see kind of what the the next six months, six years of our careers and our little professions and, and businesses look like. Um, but yeah, I would say of that list, definitely going viral on TikTok is the one I'm most proud of. That's so funny. <laughs> and, 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 we, and we're talking to the fullback of, of finance. So we yeah, were talking- man. Personal brand. Yeah, we were talking pre-show just about life and about things. And and one thing I, I asked Jed, I was like, Jed, dude, everyone's talking about making it rain and getting paid. We're obsessed mm-hmm. with money. We're obsessed with like, you know, drip, whatever you want to call it, cream, you know, uh, casuals, everything around me, cream to the ceiling, the dollar, dollar, you. But like, yeah. we don't understand money. That's the irony. We Everybody wants money. Everyone talks about, you know, I'm trying to get that paper, son. But do we know how to make money work for us? And, 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 and why don't we know this? So one, I've never said this before in my life, but yes, we need to stop making it rain. We need to start making snow cones and, and selling those things because that would show that you understand how to use money. Um, and so, no, we, we are absolutely unprepared around our financial lens. You look at the coronavirus has spotlighted a lot of those practices, but something that has been said in the academic arena for the last 30 years is we need something, we need a course, we need a class, we need somebody to give a foundational understanding around money. And that's, as you say that, no, people, what I've set out on a mission to do is is empower people to use money, understand, strategize, efficient, U-S-E. And that begins with education, but why it sets into empowerment is because you got to go act and you got to go do these things. You can't just learn. You got to act upon it. Um, it is it is a widening gap financially in our country specifically, but in the world today. And it is simply because people don't understand what the long-term uh, impact of money is, nor have they had the behaviors, the disciplines, or the mindset to be able to prepare for it. And you look at the coronavirus right now, people's net worths are going up because real estate home values are going up, but only a third of people own homes. The stock market has been going up, but only half of Americans are in stocks. And 
savings has tripled during the coronavirus because we can't spend money. But the moment the world opens back up, you know that's going back down. So, no, we are not ready for this conversation. That's true. And I think of pay your future self first and mm. the law of compound interest. Before we talk about money, let's let's take it, roll it back a little bit so let's, let's just can understand who is Jedediah Gabriel Collins from Cali. What's up? Give us some background yes. on who you were as a kid growing up. So little SoCal, uh, Orange County. Um, I went to high school at Mission Viejo, and we were very good at football. Uh, my career, I went 41-0. and 0, And then my, my last game my senior year, our defensive coordinator, I was the middle linebacker, came up to me and said, Jed, 42-0, and 41-1, and how do you want to go through the rest of your life? We lost. And so I went 41-1, and 1, uh, snapped our win streak. But truly, the idea of high school, to me, it, it defined how to become a winner. And it was good because I needed to be able to feel and taste that after growing up with my brothers. And my brothers and I played thousands of games of one-on-one -on -one basketball in our backyard. And I lost. I lost every day. I, I actually remember like the two days I, I left. My dad invented a game called King for a Day. The two days that I was king were priceless, were, were memories for me, but it taught me the ability to lose without being defeated, that that failure is scarier until it's realized, and that failure is just the next thing. It's not the end, it's just the, a redirection. Um, and as we talk to, you know, today, I take that mindset on a daily basis. I think you and I are two people who really welcome the idea of being told no, the idea of quote unquote failing because it closes the door and it shows us, all right, that's not the lane. Let's go find the lane. And I think we need to all wake up to the reality of like, no, is not going to kill you. Failing is not going to knock you down forever. It, it honestly, as an entrepreneur, as a young businessman, no is the best gift I can get right now because it gives me clarity and clarity is king in all that we're mm -hmm. doing. That's it. Now, who, who shaped you more? Your mom, dad, you have your brothers? Was there a coach, a mentor? So my mother taught me love. My dad taught me discipline. I had a great coach named Bob Johnson, um, who was a quarterback guru. And he was the one who talked me into playing football. I had quit football. Uh, and so he talked me into playing again. But he was also the one I turned to when I was at Washington State going through trouble, you know, not troubles, but struggles with playing time and things like that in the NFL when I was on my journey getting cut. He was that coach that everybody wishes they have because he changed my life and he's changed countless people's lives. Um, but yeah, I always love looking at my parents. They're still married and they're still crazy, but uh, one taught me love, one taught me discipline. And a lot of people see both sides of that in me today. My work ethic is beyond most, um, but really that, that idea of heart and compassion can only come from a woman with five kids, which you got, you got a little, little respect for. Um, and uh, she, she is, you know, to this day, always been my biggest cheerleader and fan. You had some ballers at your high school. Oh yeah. Can you we tell, were... just, just throw some names, man. So, I mean, the biggest name, obviously, is Mark Sanchez. Um, he actually apparently just got unmasked on The Masked Singer. Uh, I have not seen this season, but it's a great show. 
He was, you know, first round draft pick, Gatorade player of the year. He was an all all in all stud. Um, but we, in my three years at Mission Viejo, we put well over 30 guys into Division One football. Um, we were a very talented Orange County team, but more than that, we were we were beyond any coaching anyone else in our in our state in the country probably could compare to speaking again of Bob Johnson and his group his two sons played in the NFL Rob and Brett Johnson and they were some of our coaches you know setting up our offensive schemes it was a little unfair but then we also had the discipline the structure the weight room and all that so um, yeah we had we had 30 40 50 guys going d1 in a four or five year period um, that really changed uh, the kind of trajectory and in many ways we were like a mini version of the the usc kind of teams as when you start to win like that everybody wants to come and poke holes and and bring you down so we we had a little of that the haters too actually i like haters it means you're doing something um, easier, so yeah, let's talk about how, how'd you decide where to go to Washington state? Cause you were a baller in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that decision came pretty clear. My junior year talking to man, he's getting a lot of pub right now, Bob Johnson. I'm um, talking to my parents, my brother, both of my brothers went and played division one basketball, but they're also about three inches taller and about 30 pounds lighter. Um, so the, the decision to play football was pretty clear because bigger schools were coming to talk to me. Um, I, I never could run a fast 40 time that, that hurt me going to college, hurt me in the NFL. But what it did was it showed me, you know, I was an all state middle linebacker and I came to Washington state on a recruiting trip. It was the first time I ever t- tasted alcohol. And I'm not saying that had anything to do with it, but it had something. Uh, and so we had a great, great time. And they were like, hey, yeah, bro, you, you can play linebacker here. We love you. We want you to come. And they had, you, you guys, you were on that team, had just finished top 10, beat Texas. It was just the, the preem of what Washington State football was about. And some other universities came in, big schools, Utah, USC, both of which went to three or four BCS bowl games while I was in school. But they wanted me to switch and play offense. And so I, I went to Washington State because it was the polar opposite of Orange County, California. And because I thought at least I was going to get to continue playing the position I loved, which was linebacker. And about two weeks after showing up on campus, I realized that wasn't going to happen either. <laughs> what, what happened? Maybe give us a snapshot for listeners who don't know what it's like to live in Pullman. Tell me, tell me about that. So you show up on campus as a freshman and you immediately just start looking around, you know, you get kind of some of the profiles of the the rest of the recruiting class. My first day of padded practice, we had a, like a Rudy goal line drill. Like, let's see who's got the pop gun, who's got the machine gun. And Alan, and I remember this, like it was happened this morning, Alan Thompson ran into Steve Dildine, broke his back. Alan Thompson never played again. Um, and became actually an academic counselor and a train was really good dude. But it was that moment that I looked around and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I called my parents that day. and was like this, we were a basketball family. My dad didn't want me to play football. Um, So it was an intimidating piece, but once I realized I could do the physicality, once I realized uh, you know, you use, you put me into that mindset, which eventually became Zilla and Jed Zilla, as my friends kind of called me. Um, 
I, I saw that it wasn't the, the violence that was going to prevent me from succeeding. It was the speed and stepping into kind of that next level. You just get faster and faster college to the NFL faster and faster. Um, and so my first, you know, two or three weeks playing at, at Washington state, I was still a linebacker, but it was made very clear pretty early on. I'm not going to be able to cover the players at this level you got to find another way to get on the field. Wow. And then let's talk about going 41 and one, and then not going to a bowl game. You learn a ton about how to win and how to have, you know, the standard of excellence in high school. And then, uh, you know, that was a strange time at Washington state. You didn't get a lot of wins. So was, was that hard? It was extremely challenging. Not only was I not winning, I wasn't playing very much. And you look at coming off of, walking onto a football field and not not hoping to win but knowing you were going to win to being humbled over and over and and calling into question you know what the team aspect and makeup is where our mindset is why aren't we winning what do we what are we not doing correctly and so in in many ways it it was a, a beautiful horrible lesson to be able to look at well where are we breaking down like, why are we losing ball games? Yes, talent is, is an aspect, but less talented teams win a ton of games. And so it, it was a, an extreme 180 for me to go from, you know, top in the country to humbled, stand on the sidelines and continue to, to lose. And so f- for me, it was just another lesson of, controlling the controllables, learning to mow my grass, learning that I couldn't. And so in many ways, that's what drove me academically was I I saw football as like, this is an amazing vehicle. It got me here, got me a free education. But that was the end of that journey. I was here to go to school. And it kind of doubled me down on that front. So you go from linebacker to tight end, wearing number is it 41? 41. 41. That's interesting. Uh, you just explode. You got so big, but you're making plays. Uh, and then you're a senior, you're done kind of playing at a college level and you're thinking, am I going to the NFL? Maybe talk about that whole ride. Oh yeah. So I, I mean, up until my senior year, I wasn't a starter. My senior year, I became the starting tight end. I started some games my junior year because Cody Boyd got hurt. And I, I, you know, whenever I'm on the field, I play well. It's just hard for somebody to see my resume and give me reps. And my senior year, I remember probably, you know, week four, week five of season, riding up in Bowler Gymnasium, and there was a guy in a, a Chargers polo, and we started going up in the elevator. And as we stepped off, he turned to me and he said, Jed, can you show me where Coach Doba's office is? And I kind of, you know, took a step back and I said, absolutely, I'm headed that way, and I'll just go and show you. As we took two or three paces, I said, I got to ask, how do you know who I am? And he said, you know, I'm a scout for the Chargers and I'm here. You're one of the three guys I'm here to, you know, review and look. I think you have a chance to play at this next level. And, and that was really the first moment that a dream became a goal. Uh, a dream of playing in the NFL began to materialize, began to, to be something that I could actually achieve. And once I had that goal, I, I set my, my mind, my body, my soul to building out a plan to get there. And my game elevated because I knew I was being watched. And, you know, before that, I played for the love of the game. 
and you play because of the school and your, your brothers and all that stuff. But after that moment, after that conversation, I played because I had a chance to go play against the best in the world. And it elevated my game. I started playing better. I started having more confidence, more swagger. And you, you just see that ability. You can't just train the body. You got to train the mind because that subtle shift in my mindset opened up doors that would have never been unlocked had it not been for that conversation. And, and it, let's say I didn't get in that elevator. Let's say I didn't ask the question. Let's say I was a jerk and didn't show the guy where Coach Doba's office was. I don't know if I walk away with the same swagger or the same belief that a dream can become a goal. And now I just need to go set the plan in place to accomplish it. So it, it was, it was really, really neat, but it, it, that was the beginning of the journey because pro day hype, excitement, draft day, hype, excitement, disappointment, my first three years in the league, disappointment, get cut 12 times all mental challenges and have yet all defined who I am and why I can bounce up, you know, bounce up from failing and bounce up from an entrepreneurial hurdle because I've been down there before. Maybe explain the, the, the mental emotional journey of playing in the NFL, you know, free agent practice squad cut, you know, 12 teams in three years. And, and then with the saints, you kind of found solid ground. Uh, maybe give us what was going on in your life. What was going on with your doubts, fears, confidence, you know, maybe your first, practice at that level your first game first time getting cut and it's kind of bouncing around so it was again a transition so from high school to college I went from linebacker to tight end from college to the NFL I went from tight end to fullback mainly because I'm six one and run a five flat but I looked at it and I, I had to not only elevate my performance my game to compete in the National Football League but I also had to learn a new position. And it, this was the first position I've ever played that was not going to be judged based on my skill set. It was really will over skill. Am I willing to go and do this job? The line for fullback is very, very short for a reason because you got to be either really mean or kind of crazy to go play it. And I knew I wasn't inherently a mean dude. So I, I developed this kind of crazy mentality, this crazy persona, um, grew my hair out, grew my beard. You know, the, the weight was already there. So I was, a, you know, intimidating figure, but I needed to have, I loved wrestling growing up and I needed to have that character that could be feared out on the field. And my first years, you know, they, they were a humbling realization because you know, my first year, I, I remember very vividly Brian Dawkins, who I watched growing up, Eagle safety, Pro Bowl player, Hall of Fame dude. He had actually two lockers in the, the Eagles locker room. He had one for Brian Dawkins, the man, and he had one for Weapon X, the mythical creature everybody thought he was. And so he had a bunch of figurines and stuff. And our first day of pads, Brian, you know, not our first day, but my first day playing with the ones because I was performing, I was doing a lot of good things. There's actually an injury and I got to go rep in with the first team. Brian Dawkins, first team defense came down in a nine on seven period. And as the, the hole opened up, I didn't see Dawkins coming through the hole. I saw Weapon X. The guy was flying out of the clouds. He had a cape on. He had blades coming out of his hands. And I looked up and I was like, man, how cool is this? I'm going to hit weapon X. Like I'm going to hit this guy. And he knocked me into next Tuesday because I wasn't confident. I wasn't there. I, I didn't believe I deserved to be on that field. 
And that led to, to me getting cut and going to Chicago, going to Cleveland, going to Kansas City. The list goes on and on. But each, each step I took, each place I went, I began to steal habits and behaviors from those guys, from the players. And I started to develop into the guy who could become a starter, who should deserve to be in that huddle and who possibly could be the best at their position in the world. But that was, you know, that was through losing. That was through getting told no's, through failure. Um, and it was really neat. The only mistake I made, not getting cut, the only mistake I made was when I went to Kansas City, they had me lose about 30 pounds. And I didn't know that going into it. It was a mistake going there. But they had a criteria for their fullback that he was going to be between 232 and 237 pounds. And I was 260 plus. And that, that was a lesson for me of, of knowing what my criteria of, of being judged was going to be and not changing who I was to fit a different box. I needed to lean into what made me good and not try to change who I was to, to be good at something else. Because at the end of the day, my criteria of what the job was going to be did not change. Let me just summarize what the, some of the things you said. Love. So let's apply, let's apply this to, you know, if you're in business, if you're in sales, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, um, I'm, I just wrote down four check marks for helping people find their power, find their, their strength, you know, be the best version of themselves. The first thing that I think is really interesting. And if you're a part of a team, you know, obviously if you're a parent, if you're a coach, verbal persuasion from a stranger hmm. elevated how you saw yourself. A scout sure. said, I'm looking to see you. And just that one interaction from a pro scout, he saw something new that you didn't see in yourself. Mm -hmm. And that elevated your confidence. And I would say so, and a, a stranger, but somebody I inherently viewed as a person of power. So speaking to the coach, speaking to the leader, somebody who is being looked up to has that much more influence and power. Yeah, but let's let's face it. He's not the coach. He's not the GM. He doesn't probably make a whole lot of money. He's a scout. Yeah. But you gave someone that much power mm -hmm. on how you believe in yourself. Isn't that interesting? So if we're leaders, coaches, teammates, verbal persuasion and, and looking for the good stuff and giving that encouragement is life changing. Are you around minuses, zeros or, or pluses in your life? You know, Love it's that. good to get called, get good to get called out when you're not, you know, working hard and not, you know, doing stuff. But like having people encourage you that you belong here. Like, why not you? So just remember, team, listen to that. Number two, get into character. Get into character. When you're showing up to that meeting, that conference call, that, that, that sales presentation, that game, that match, fill in the blank, decide how you want to show up. And, and maybe just flip, flip the script on your mindset and your focus. You know, today, I'm going to be a savage or I'm going to mm -hmm. be energetic or i'm going to be i'm going to be confident just just decide and i think you kind of grew again you're stealing from the best performers in the world at that stage and then the third thing is you know um got it with dawkins what would what, you call him again weapon x that's that's a amazing i name. didn't call him that that's that was literally but, but that's what he called himself thing. yeah he's a hall of famer yeah. but but when you were across seeing weapon x some some guy you idolized and you kind of thought i'm a spectator i don't belong here mm -hmm. so part of that first thing is you kind of it's nice having that encouragement but you know changing into character but then the third thing to me is you never outperform your self-image that's it 
your limits begin where your vision ends. So yeah. if you don't think that I belong here, you won't belong there. So it's, you know, hey, have I earned the right? And you kind of talked about, you know, I'm a certain weight. I put in the work. Um, you know, I went to a, a good school. I played great teams. You know, I'm looking around and, you know, I have everything I need to be here. I'm not going to, you know, uh, just say, hey, I'm happy to be here. No, I'm going to dominate here. I belong here. I belong on a roster. I belong starting. So team, you never outperform your self-image. And I can give examples too, like in college. Like I didn't have any visions beyond playing after college. So guess what? I didn't play after college, but I was done. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fourth one I want to just, again, I like to summarize things is as you got older, you're more of a veteran. You decided I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to play to my strengths. Going to Kansas City, they want you to be somebody different. That didn't work out. So to elevate confidence, resilience and execution, you know, be around people that are going to give you, you know, some energy, some juice, some love, you know, get into a character, just flip the script on them and, and believe want- yourself. You belong here, but be yourself. And I want to point out People think like, oh, it was natural to develop that character. Uh-uh. That that stuff's not natural. That is that is telling yourself repeatedly, making yourself believe that to develop that person. Like that, that my character was not something I, I was before. I created that person and it, it did not work the first time. It didn't work the first 10 times. But that's the point is you continue to add, to pivot, to adjust until you figure it out, until you can find it. So, yes, I love the idea of people building their characters. I still have my character for when I go into a meeting or a call or I need to to perform. I, I, I love that call out. Yeah. And it's this kind of concept, Jed. Don't find yourself, create yourself. Mm. Create it, decide create who you're going to be and start acting like it mm-hmm. you're not going to always feel confident but if you start acting like it i'm going to decide to be this and just embody what that looks like you're gonna have a better chance i want to now move towards you know what was it like getting cut and saying i'm, I'm done playing and then i want to talk about your your, your business and your your, your your book but this is just too much good stuff yeah i love this um and i love your your summation and your just perspectives man they're, they're excellent getting cut is uh and, and then walking away, essentially. I mean, oh, yeah. you know. So each time you get cut, you don't know. Like each time I got, you know, told to send home, my dream was over. The The goal was crushed. I, I had failed. And so every time it was a shot to the heart, every time it was a gut check and you're lost, you're numb. You have no idea what the future holds because your entire life was told to go do this one thing. And so it is an extremely emotional moment. And I've been through enough of them that I, I went through the similar waves of, of shock and awe, anger, and turning that anger into juice. Because eventually you have to, if not in that room that night, if not that night, the next day, sooner or later, you have to look at that person that delivered that news and say, you're wrong. I know you're wrong. Watch me. In like that mindset, once you realize I'm still alive, like I'm, you, they didn't kill me. They can't take it until I give it to them. You're wrong. I'm going to prove you're wrong. Every coach that cut me, I told them on my way out, you're wrong. From Andy Reid, the first one, to Jason Garrett, the last one, they were wrong. Now, when my journey in Dallas, which was a funny little month stint that makes still to this day no sense, 
I chose to to walk away after that. I just had my first daughter. Um, the game had gotten the risk and the reward tilted too far in the, the risk area. Um, and so I'm one of the fortunate few who, yes, I got cut, but I could have continued to play. I got to say the game has given me more than I could have ever imagined. I, I want to be able to appreciate it. I've captured as much of it as I could, but I don't know if I can go out there with the same tenacity that is needed. You can't go fight fire with anything but fire. And when you step out on that field, you know, those dudes, those are hungry grown men. That's, that's livelihoods are at stake. And I wasn't ready and willing to make the same sacrifices they were anymore. And so that was when I knew it was time to, to kind of get off and, and find my exit path. Um, and that, that was a tough one because it, it truly started creeping into me halfway through my last, my seventh season with, and I was with the lions when I saw a young man get knocked unconscious and strapped to a board and walked to the sidelines. And I saw my daughter with big old pink headphones about 10 rows up. And that's when something shattered. Um, so Getting cut is a is a, an extremely tough situation, but looking back on it, if you can review your steps and say why, how can I get better, and what do I need to go do, you will find yourself beyond anything you can imagine from being told no, from being having your dream crushed. And I, I go back to these five words, Jed. These are the most five powerful words you can say as a human being. I'm not defined by this. Mm. Mm. I'm not defined by this, mm -hmm. you know, failure or success. It's your response. It's the next step. So let's talk about responding mm. and then choosing, uh, choosing to being a certified financial planner and oh, yeah. how you got into that. And then we're going to transition into being an entrepreneur and, you know, all that type of stuff. So I got into money out of uh, fear. I didn't have any idea what to do with it. My rookie year paycheck started coming in and I turned to the people I love, my family, and they had no answers for me. And so I, I saw a very highly educated academic family unprepared. And again, it goes back to nobody's having this conversation. Nobody prepared me for this conversation. I was an accounting major. I got a great business degree from Washington State, go Carson College, but I look at it, I never had a class. I never was told the Johnsons make $75,000. What should they go do? And so that was my humbling realization. And so I started down the path to going to getting financial guru, personal finance books. Uh, and until you know a, a mentor of mine challenged me to go get the CFP, which is a, a foundational understanding in all things money. You're not a, a, an eye learner. A, I would say like an accountant or a lawyer has a very specific skill set. A CFP is a T learner. They have a, a baseline education and knowledge in a lot of different fields, and they're able to connect a lot of dots. And I fell in love with it. it. It was really neat because it was such a foreign language. And yet the more and more I started to understand, the more and more I got to speak it and teach other people about it. And so you look at NFL, you look at the opportunity, and I just did not want to be one of the statistics that didn't capture the opportunity. Um, and through education and through action, I, I became one that got to walk away from the game. And to this day, I get to look at all that it's given me. There's a, a 30 for 30 special broke that was came out like eight years ago. 
It and was it's like, 12 years ago, 2008, my rookie year. And Seriously? Wow. Yeah, it came out in 2008. Yeah. Interesting. Well, all I know is this. I don't have the exact stats, but in the NBA and NFL, I think over half, there's an exact number, but I'm just going to make it general. Over half of players who are done playing, cut, whatever injury, retire, over half, broke and divorced. Mm-hmm. And what Which... black people don't know is that your paycheck is – 16 weeks now you get probably stipends when you're at you know practicing in you know spring and you know yeah. training camp and stuff but your your big checks you get 16 of them and they're taxed into the different states where you play people don't know that either mm-hmm. so just being able to manage that a lot of people mismanage their money and i'm thinking about you know when i was done you know in the shelter at wsu when everybody's telling you what to do you have advisors and tutors and you know coaches and you don't, you don't decide what you do but knowing about credit taxes the stock market about real estate we have no training on this none so help us make it simple for us well i know that's where you come in so (laughs) help us understand let's talk about your money your 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 money vehicle ymv let's just talk about the book about the the course and let's let's make this you know it's so weird because we, we we love money but we're bored to learn about it that's the irony we're all obsessed with money, but we don't think it's important to understand it. But what you're doing is you're changing the game. You're, you're actually m- making it fun. And that's what we want to change both the medium of delivery as well as the conversation at hand. So the medium of delivery has to be entertaining. In our day and age today, if you don't grab me in the first three seconds, usually you're already gone. So we have to create a story. People remember stories much more than they do facts. So can we tell you stories that have a little bit of entertainment and engage you in the information, make it personal, make it to something you will understand. And then the other side of it is this taboo topic, this conversation, this language that has not been spoken on, on college, high school campuses, has not been spoken in families. How do we not make it so foreign? And also, how do we make it cool? How do we not look at the jewelry or the make it rain as the cool piece? But no, the person who who is financially free, the person who has passive income, the person who has a portfolio, that's cool. I talk to teenagers who have set up Roth accounts, who have set up systems, who have all different kinds of things working for them. That's cool. And so so part of this is the semantics, the words we use, and part of it is just socially how we view one another. But we really need to change the game from money being this evil thing, money being this divisive thing, to money is nothing more than a vehicle. It is a verb, and it is something you control. And if you can educate yourself and learn the basics, which is what we're aimed to do, you can begin to take control of your financial future. And that is a, a super, super enlightening idea. So help us, because I don't want you to give all your tricks away. I want people to, to do the work. I, I bought his course, and it's phenomenal. So I want people to buy your book, follow you on you know, Instagram, on TikTok. You got 20K followers now. Let's go, big boy. But uh, tell us how we can – I mean, we're not done, but I want to right now – Like, I want, this is a challenge to, to you listeners right now. You probably haven't spent a ton of time, you know, understanding money. You maybe you may have paid uh, somebody to do it for you, but you still need to know, you know, some some core basics. 
So how can we learn more? What, what, or what, what would you advise, you know, your younger self right now? Like if you were 25 or something and you didn't know all this stuff. Wow. Nobody's ever asked me what I would tell my 25 about money. Um, I mean, I, you know, obviously the course is what I would tell the masses, but me personally, um, it, it's a, it's just a, a really humbling realization. You said you got to do the reps. And I really like that because money is a marathon. Money is not a sprint. Everybody wants a silver bullet. And as we look in today's headlines, whether it's Robin Hood, the stock market, Amazon, whatever, people are millionaires overnight. And that's what everybody dreams of becoming. And it's like, no, this is a, the long game. This is something that you're going to use compound interest. You're going to plant inches and in seeds and they're going to flourish, not tomorrow, not next week, next year, but in your future. And that is why it's tough for a 21, 22 year old professional athlete, no different than it's tough for a 21, 22 year old college graduate. They just have a bigger scale, but it's hard to envision 60 year old you. It's hard to envision 30 year old you. And if you can begin to see the framework of that, that is who you are trying to prioritize. And so if I was looking at my 25 year old self, and I was fortunate because by that time in my life, I had a, a financial awakening, but I would tell him, like I told him then, begin to prioritize future you. You said pay yourself first. I've come to realize the best in the world, the greatest, they don't sacrifice anything. They don't ever sacrifice. They prioritize. They say, I know I want X and to do X, I got to go do this. And I get to go do this. And that is a major, major realization about money is you can spend things in the moment, but if you're prioritizing something bigger, it's not a sacrifice. Yeah. Well, it's like start today, what you can wish you start five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, start now. And exactly. I say, and it's, it's to pay your future self, pay your future self. Um, let's talk about being an entrepreneur, man. You had your corporate job, just like me, you know, you were doing your thing. And I, what's cool is you found a niche, you know, to teach, to educate, to be a trainer on the stuff with the company you were with. And then you decided to have the courage to branch off and do something on your own which I think a lot of people in this world that maybe listen to this, they work for a company or business. They said, you know, wouldn't it be nice to own my own business, to be my own mm -hmm. boss and to find what lights me up and what I'm curious about, what I'm passionate about learning, teaching, understanding, but you did it. And then the COVID delete. hit. And then Has COVID hit. So that, that's kind of question one, a one B talk about, you know, um, this is kind of the final, final edge of this, this podcast interview, yeah. but kind of talking about being an entrepreneur. Um, Talk about that, and then I think that may, might be a good kind of give us some encouragement as we keep uh, keep advancing. So it is it is so neat to say those words like I'm an entrepreneur, I own my own business, I took the leap, and I would warn absolutely everybody if you don't want to live whatever it is you're taking the leap for, don't do it. Um, and you, I know this about you. I know this about me. Both of our wives know this to an annoyance. We live what we're doing. We breathe it. We think about it. When I'm not, you know, in it, it's, it's all my mind. 
because if no, if you're not, nobody else is. And that's, that's really the encouraging piece here is only become an entrepreneur about something you are passionate about. And even then you're going to have days that you just have the world come crashing down on you. So the, the entrepreneurial spirit is really, really neat. And it's not in everyone. And if you're lucky enough to have a, an itch, I would recommend pursuing it as long as you are in and your passion, because it's going to test you on days. Um, yes. But yes, COVID came, it crushed my business. It, it, my business was going to be primarily public speaking. I was told there is no more public and people don't pay for speakers anymore. Uh, and so it, it was a very, it was a tough couple months and it was, it was good because I was told no and it closed a door. And I had a second avenue that I was pursuing that I was already going into virtual education. I was already building this course, but being told no gave me clarity. Being told no created the fullback of finance. Being told no said, Jed, stop being distracted by other things. Do what your bigger purpose is. Find your ultimate impact. Build the business that you want because this business you had is gone. And that is the true epitome of being the entrepreneur is March of this year, my, my, my income dried up. April, May, June, I was lost. I didn't really know exactly. So what did I do? I went to work. I kept grinding. I kept building. I created this course. I edited it. We, we scripted it. We, we were on as many podcasts, many meetings, everything I could do all summer. And I controlled what I can, could control. And as of now, September, October, November, 2020, eight months after this thing began, I look at it and I say, failing being told no gave me the clarity. The clarity has showed me exactly what I have, who needs it, and how I'm going to make a business around it. And none of that would have been possible, at least in this time frame, had it not been for being told no and finding that clarity. I'm so proud of you. As we wrap up, team, we got Jed Collins here, the fullback of finance, Jed Zilla, just killing it. And so uh, inspiring. Your story is great. I'll just kind of end this with my last two thoughts before we wrap it up. Jed's talking about if you want to be an, an entrepreneur, and I think this just in life, it's this is what Simon Sinek calls the infinite game versus the finite game. Mm. Just like with money, if you're playing that like finite game, you just want that instant right away. We want to play that infinite, never ending. Find something that you're infinitely curious about. You want to keep going. That I, I'm not going to stop. I'm not stopping, never stopping. So for you, it's it's money. For me, it's the mental game. And lastly, I think what has helped us pivot our businesses is understanding we talked about this pre-show ipas versus epas mm. listeners do you know your income producing activities you're busy but are you productive do activities that are going to be fruitful instead of oh i'm busy i'm busy you know you're busy but you're not productive lock it in have laser focus income producing activities and epas is what are some energy pulling activities that are robbing you from being productive so jed uh where can we uh, find you bro so social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Fullback of Finance, LinkedIn, love to connect there, Jedediah Collins. And if you are interested in a virtual financial literacy course, yourmoneyvehicle.com, go check it out. It's $99. I would love come the holidays, people to buy these for their nieces, nephews, kids. Um, it is intended for people about 15 to 25 as a way to begin their financial future. Yes. 
empower yourself, team, and have money work for you. Jay, we end this podcast with every everyone with the same message. The body has limits, but the mind, the is, mind limitless. is limitless. Yeah.